dispelling the myth of personal protection. First, what is the myth? And then, what the heck is the answer? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today on the Peace Walker Podcast. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker Podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level. Craig Gray here, Peace Walker Podcast, episode number 92. Today we're going to be talking about the myths of personal protection and self-defense, and we're going to talk about a little bit of the reality of defending yourself, protecting other people. And there's no better way to start that journey than to get on my six-day defense course. So if you go to sixdaydefense.com, it's all spelled out except for the dot, you're going to get a free home study course from yours truly that is going to take you through the basics of dispelling those myths of protecting yourself and starting to build the right tool set of things that will not just make you more safe, but also change you as a person. Because really being able to protect yourself has a lot more to do than only the physical elements of protecting yourself, which is exactly what we're going to be talking about today in this episode. So after you listen to this episode, get on 6daydefense.com and you will not only get access to that entire six-day course, it's just about 10 minutes a day, two five-minute videos. You're also going to get access to my almost daily emails where I'll share tips, tricks, tactics, stories, and lessons from this life of being a protector and living as a peace walker. So don't hesitate. Get on it right now. <laughs> well, actually get on it right after you listen to this episode. Again, that's sixdaydefense.com. All right, so what is the myth and how do we dispel it? This idea of learning self-defense. So a lot of people, I think, when it comes to self-defense they immediately think of physical defensive tactics or buying a gun or getting pepper spray. And, and those things can be very effective. As a matter of fact, you know, I get people who come to me all the time who want to learn self-defense, but what they really end up wanting to learn is martial arts, which there's a difference. There is overlap, but there is a difference. That's just like, you know, you, you learn how to be a boxer or a, a ring fighter, um, MMA combatant, wrestler, Brazilian jiu-jitsu player, you know, you name it, boxer, kickboxer, whatever. And yes, you can apply that stuff to self-defense, there's no question. If things erupt into a physical endeavor, you can definitely use those skills to protect yourself and other people. However, here's the big deception. Here's the big myth. Most of protecting yourself 
and other people doesn't have anything to do with physical engagement. So the physical engagement, really practicing and training and getting good at physically engaging gives you a lot of confidence and that in and of itself can change a lot. But you don't have to be the next cage fighting champion, right? The next UFC champ. You don't have to be king or queen on the mats and mop everybody up to be able to protect yourself in a situation. So one thing that I get a lot because we have an online training program and a local live academy, um, I get a lot of folks... You know, sometimes they'll kind of call me out online saying, oh, you can't learn this shit online. And I can't believe you're selling out and, and teaching this stuff. Uh, and you have online classes. And um, you're right. If you're looking to learn like the physical elements of, of self-defense, it's really hard to learn it online. You can cover a lot of territory training remotely. But at some point... You're going to have to train with somebody who knows what the hell they're doing. Because a lot of the stuff you're not, a lot of the nuances you won't get. And you also have to differentiate, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? If you're just trying to learn some basic physical defensive tactics skills, if you get into an altercation that turns physical, you know, it doesn't take a lifetime to do that. Now, if you're looking to be the next UFC champion or you're looking to be, you know, a competitive fighter, you're looking to win a duel with another person. Well, that is a different story, but people in their heads get it confused. And sometimes it starts off, I wouldn't say innocently, but it starts off on the right track and then it ends up taking a hard turn someplace. And I know a lot of a lot of these podcasts I kind of come down on Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I don't mean to. It's a wonderful sport. It's a great art. It has a lot of very effective self-defense uh, capacities to it. And uh, that's why I got into it early on. You know, my I first started training and was exposed to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with actually on DVR, not DVDs, uh, VHS back in the day. Craig Kukluk and... Uh, Oh, what the heck? Henzo Gracie came out with a 12, like a, oh, I think it was like 24 videotape um, series that myself and Kev DeVries started in. And then in 96, we went to a Hicks and Gracie seminar down in Chicago. And I, I remember just being absolutely blown away. Uh, obviously, it was after seeing the UFC. I remember seeing the first first several UFCs, um, getting it pay-per-view and all that. But um, after that, if you're any type of martial artist, you, you're thinking to yourself, man, I got to try that. And then we did. And then I, uh, you know, as many of you know, if you've been listening to me for any length of time, you know, I trained with the Gracies um, for quite a few years. I'd go out to the Torrance Academy and uh, train out there at their headquarters. And it was a wonderful experience. And I you know, I trained and still train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, um, not to, to, to the degree, 
because I think you have to have a ground game in any any uh, approach when it comes to protecting yourself physically, and especially if you're in law enforcement or any type of security position. Um, the BJJ in this case, or some type of grappling, is is going to be really important, so you can lay hands on people and control them and try not to hurt them and get them into the you know, compliance positions, whether it's for handcuffing or escorting somebody out or whatever it may be. But um, it's wonderful art and it's very effective. It's proven itself again and again and again. Um, and in the, especially in the context of the sporting arena that, of which it grew, um, very, very effective. So that is a, a large part of my approach and what I teach, what I train, what I use. Um, but it's not the only part of my approach. You know, A, I'm not a young guy anymore. I'm 51 years old. Not to say that there aren't a lot of 50-year-olds who are rocking it, um, especially today's day and age. I mean, you take your, your, you know, some of the higher profile guys like Jocko Wilkes. I can't pronounce his last name. Um, You know, he's got to be in his, I would say, late 40s, early 50s. Joe Rogan, Obviously, not just for his podcast, but he's a really talented martial artist. He's got a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he's got to be in his mid-late 50s. And those are just some of the high, you know, larger profile names. Um, you know, Hoist Gracie's got to be in his his 50s now. Randy Couture, I know he um, competed still into well into his 40s, I want to say mid-40s. So there's an, and I'm not really much in that world anymore. So I don't, I don't know all the new guys who are in, you know, getting up there, getting long in the tooth, so to speak. But, um, but you can absolutely, you can stay competitive into your 40s and 50s, and um, not professionally. So <laughs> if you're in your 40s and still doing any type of competition, you're you're among the, among the anomalies. Uh, but there's way more of it. I can remember when I was still doing competitions back in my 30s, and I was like in the master's division, not because of my my physical prowess, which, you know, not saying it was bad, but um, it was due to my age. Because <laughs> back then, master's class was like, I don't know, I can't remember, it was in, the early, it was in your early, early 30s. Uh, now, I guarantee you, it's much higher age than that. I think we're just healthier and more active nowadays, which is awesome. But back to my point. My point wasn't all that. My point was this. A lot of people feel that this idea of protecting yourself is about, you know, being a a competitive sport enthusiast or a Navy SEAL or something like that, that as if the physical elements of the encounter and the skill set are the only things that are necessary for protecting yourself, unless you have a gun, unless you have a pepper spray, canister pepper spray. And the answer is no, really, it starts with your mindset. Now, keep in mind, mindset, uh, let me back up, developing your mindset comes out a lot in the physical capacity of the training, in the physical attributes of the training, in the physicality of the training, if it is done correctly. But I know a lot of old, you know, grandmas and grandpas out there who are just very street smart. 
They you know lived in hard neighborhoods their whole lives, and they're street smart, and they're scrappy. Now, they're still old people. So are they going to get in a ring and you know bust people up? No. But there's more to it than just that. Just like my dad. I mean, my dad's in his late 70s, and you still wouldn't want to fuck with him. <laughs> he's got the old man strength. He's a former Marine, martial artist, and he just has that attitude of, you know, I'm not going to play around with you. However, it's not about just you being tough. It's not just about you physically being able to mix it up. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. And we tend to, I think, over-rely upon that. Just like you know, people who buy a f- firearms, they tend to lean too much towards the firearm in regards to the idea of being a protector and protecting yourself in a situation. There's way more to it and which kind of brings me back to this idea of the online training. Because there's more to it, a lot of your bases can be covered on learning online. As a matter of fact, there are some very large benefits to online training. And this isn't just a big advertisement for online training, even though I do have an online training program. But this is really just a testament to, if you want to say, training other than physical and more modern training in this case. But you can learn some things online and then go practice them and then come back. Now, when I say that, do I mean physical stuff? Yeah, you could learn physical stuff, right? Learn some techniques, go try, go train with somebody and come back and, and uh, kind of recalibrate them. And then when you get a chance to be in the presence of a live instructor, then you can kind of show them what you've been doing and they can help to correct you. So that's part of it. But what I'm talking about as well is all these other things that deal with protecting yourself that have nothing to do with the physical techniques. As I said, there's some, not some, there is a tremendous amount of overlap. However, there are some things that I actually prefer to teach people online because then I can give them homework of, okay, so here's today's assignment. Let's talk about awareness. And then I'll give some parameters of awareness. So there's three basic categories of awareness that I teach. One is awareness of yourself. Second category is awareness of other people. Third category is the awareness of your environment. Now, your environment isn't always just a physical environment. It could be a social environment, right? It could be um, you know, a work environment, a home environment. A, a public environment. It could be an environment like online is different than on the phone, which is different than texting, which is different than uh, in-person talking with one another. So all these different types of environments. So for instance, we could, in a seminar, uh, we talk about that for usually not very long because people kind of get bored of it. You know, even if we do some exercises, it might last a half an hour, 45 minutes if we really go in depth. But you really, it's really kind of lost on, on the individual to a certain degree. What, what I think is way more, not what I think, what I've seen to be way more effective is when I do it online, that's like a three or four day homework assignment. So basically, you review the um, concept of, of those points of awareness, and I can take them a little bit more in depth, tell stories. 
you can do that live too, I know, but, but here's the thing that you cannot do live, at least in the moment, is I assign homework, right? Like day one, your, your homework assignment for the whole day is just pay attention to things about yourself. Pay attention to how comfortable you feel in a situation uh, throughout the day. Pay attention to your breathing. Pay attention to what you're wearing in relation to what's happening in the environment. Pay attention to, you know, all these different things. And then you can discuss it afterwards, right? After you did the homework in real time. And the same thing could you could do for each of the categories, right? So the next day, maybe you're just paying attention to environments. Maybe just the physical environment for one day. That's all you're paying attention to. Your exits and entrances and you know windows and other, other emergency um, egresses and, and the physical attributes of the environment. And then... You know, maybe the next day you're paying attention to the social environments and the, and the intricacies of that. And then you have a discussion. And then maybe the next day you, you have the person or group spend their entire day watching people, you know, people watching other people and, you know, what they noticed about it, what the trends were, what what uh, what they're seeing, what they weren't seeing, what situations they ran up against, and so forth. And then maybe even another day you have, you have them pay attention to the space and relationships of those things coming together. I mean, holy cow, we could spend easily a week or more just on all these little nuances of awareness. And have a much deeper experience when you're doing it online. Meaning the you're learning the homework online and then you take it out into your daily life. And, and that is very hard to do if you are only training live because a lot of people aren't going to, if it's in a seminar setting, you don't have the time to do the homework. If it's in a you know, workshop and set workshop setting. If it's online, then you can do the homework, and then you can touch base via Zoom or whatever and kind of discuss it. And I know that's not sexy, right? It's not nearly as sexy as coming into a gym or going outside and training, putting your gear on, going hitting pads and uh, dis doing disarms or shooting at the range. And both, it's not a one or the other dealio. It's a both. And it's a both and if you really want to develop those skills. So the myth is and the deception is that learning to protect yourself is only a physical endeavor that you go through. It's not. As a matter of fact, there's more, much more to it with your, your attitude and your identity and your beliefs of what you're protecting, your beliefs that human life is worth protecting. And it's your identity that your deepest identity is that of a protector. You've got to learn about your awareness, you've got to learn how to influence and obviously action too. And it really isn't conducive to only do that stuff live with a live instructor helping you 
I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's hard. Most people don't have the time to do it on either end. It's usually from a teaching standpoint, unless you're personally mentoring someone, an individual, um, you're not going to have the time for it to do it like in any larger capacity. And then if you're training in it, you know, it's it, it's ongoing, so it's hard to make the time for it. Um, and to go to a physical location to get training on it all the time with some of the stuff. The physical portion, to be honest with you, is is the easiest thing to learn. And it's also, is it the most necessary? Yes and no. And you've heard me talk, tell you this story before, if you've listened to me at all or read any of my stuff. It's the alpha and the omega. The alpha is, it's the beginning, meaning if you feel confident that you can physically protect yourself, your whole demeanor changes, your whole attitude changes. And if that training comes about in the right way through the right instructors and mentorship, it can be very powerful for you. And that will change everything. That will change your confidence, your identity, uh, your attitude. That can change your um, your ability to be aware. That can change your influence, right? And obviously your actions. But it's also the ending, meaning it's the omega, meaning that it's a last resort. To go physical is a last resort, whether it's you're punching somebody in the nose or you are putting two in the chest and one in the head. It's, uh, it's absolutely last resort and you need to have a large skill set to determine what is the proper amount of force necessary to keep yourself and other people safe. All in relation to the totality of the circumstance. So there you have it. I could ramble on about this for hours, but um, the myth and deception is that learning to protect yourself is only physical and it can only be taught live and in person. That is the myth and deception. But it's a but it's not just purely the opposite either. It is a combination. It is a both both and. Right, is it is a both and that you yes you do need to learn how to physically protect yourself and that will change everything for you but it is not only about that and if you only do that and if you do it from the wrong in the wrong way it can be a detriment to you right because it's not just about the physical dueling aspect that is important to pick up. So go out and get training. Get training locally and live and in person. Um, I shouldn't say locally. It could be locally. It doesn't have to be locally. Matter of fact, you know, when the Gracie brothers first learned jiu-jitsu back with uh, Carlos Gracie and uh, Elio, they learned from Maeda who was a Japanese emissary to Brazil, who was a jiu-jitsu guy. And uh, I've heard stories, I don't know how true they are, but I've heard stories that you know he, they only trained with him for maybe six-ish years off and on. 
and they developed a lot of stuff on their own. So obviously they have really good jiu-jitsu skills and then they kind of developed it, but it wasn't like, you know, they trained with them for 20, 30 years nonstop and were, you know, some discipleship. He traveled around, to my knowledge, he traveled around, and when he came back into the area in which they lived, he would teach him some stuff. So he would be there for, I don't know, several months or maybe a couple of years or whatever at a time, and then he'd leave and come back and touch base. Now, I could be totally wrong on that, so you can verify it on Gracie.com or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Um, but the point is, is try to seek the best training that you can for what you want to learn. And if you're looking to learn how to be a protector, how to live as a peace walker, then I can help you out with that um, along with your local training. So you may want to check out my six-day defense program. So get on it if you haven't yet, sixdaydefense.com, and uh, we'll go from there. All right, gang, get out there, do some training, get some online training, get some live training, mix it up. Make sure you train in all the different attributes, your mindset, your awareness, your influence, and your action. Don't neglect any of those areas. Make sure you're well-rounded. Make sure you can deal with the spectrum of conflict and you know what you're protecting. So there you go. Keep going. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Take care. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level.